You artists have a special relationship to beauty. Beauty, like truth, brings joy to the human heart. Beauty is an invitation to savor life and the dream of the future. Beauty is a key to the mystery and a call to transcendence. Beauty is the vocation bestowed on you by the Creator. And the gift of artistic talent. None can sense more deeply than you, artists. Ingenious creators of beauty that you are. That beauty will save the world. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for tuning into JP2 Radio for another episode of Letter to Artists. Born out of a collaboration between JP2 Catholic Radio and brought to you from The Vault at John Paul the Great Catholic University, this show is inspired by the beloved St. Pope John Paul II's encyclical, Letter to Artists, and led by Catholic artists from our community who desire to share with you their journey in creativity and their journey of faith through the development of their artistic talents. I am your host, Bailey Garland. Each week, I have been chatting with different artists as we explore a different creative medium. Today, we are mixing it up just a bit, perhaps stretching our boundaries and maybe even our own rules to talk about leadership as an art form. I have two very enthusiastic guests joining me this morning to share their knowledge from a a business and a creative perspective. So I'm particularly excited for this show because I think we have all encountered good and bad leadership and I think we are all called to be leaders in one way or another. So I'm interested to see what the intertwining of business and beauty bring out in this conversation. So um, yeah, I'm just super pumped. (laughs) Anyway, our guiding excerpt from St. John Paul II's letter to artists is, "Not not all are called to be artists in the specific sense of the term. Yet as Genesis has it, all men and women are entrusted with the task of crafting their own life. In a certain sense, they are to make it a work of art, a masterpiece. It is one thing for human beings to be the authors of their own acts with responsibility for their moral value. It is another to be an artist, able, that is, to respond to the demands of art and faithfully to accept art's specific dictates. Joining me in the studio this week is Dr. Amanda Lococo, professor of leadership here at JP Catholic. But before we hear her wise words, we will be hearing from student Luca Huang, a very spirited business student diving into the world of creative entrepreneurship. And I cannot wait to hear what he has to say. So let's get started. Welcome, Luca. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bailey. It's a blessing. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. I know Luca was super enthusiastic about bringing this topic to me. So I'm pumped for our conversation today. Why don't we just start in a prayer? Do you mind leading? Absolutely. Great. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and rekindle them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and they shall renew the face of the earth. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Help us to use our words wisely to hopefully impact those here at JP Catholic and around the world, and to everyone who's listening. Sacred Heart of Jesus, have I mercy. Have mercy on us. Immaculate Heart of Mary. Pray for us. Chaste Heart of St. Joseph. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome, Luca. Why don't we just start with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Who is Luca? Oh, man, that is, <laughs> I don't know if I could keep that to three sentences, <laughs> but I'll try. So, um, where am I from? So, I am a Navy brat. My dad's a officer in the United States Navy, so I've been a little bit of everywhere, but I was born in Maryland, um, and then we've been to the California and a couple bits of the East Coast, Uh, but I've spent between half to two-thirds of my life in California, so California, San Diego specifically, is definitely my home. Um, I am a cradle Catholic, so I was born Catholic. I 
don't think I really took my faith super seriously though until I'd say high school where I um, at, up to that point was had been in public school and then going into 10th grade realized that all my friends were going to Catholic schools and so uh, my parents and I decided that I would homeschool 10th through 12th and so I did and that's when I really kind of dove into my faith and found friends who were faith-filled and really centered on Christ. Um, yeah, you know, graduated high school uh, in homeschool, but before that had been in public school. And then currently I'm here at John Paul the Great Catholic University as a creative entrepreneurship emphasis in the uh, business major. So that is, that is that. And then current state in life. So I am a student. I am currently employed by the school. I used to work for the YMCA of San Diego uh, as a lifeguard, a swim instructor, and then a, a swim coach. Um, and then not entirely sure where I'll go. I'm currently just kind of following the route as the school has for me. So building my business and all the different stuff. But I at one point was seriously considering um, the priesthood. Mm. And I actually went and visited uh, my friend in seminary for the Fraternity of St. Peter, which is a religious order devoted to maintaining the traditional Latin mass. So mm. it was a super cool experience. Uh, but right now I'm just kind of focusing where I'm at and, you know, open to it. But I, f- right. I, have, I have a feeling I might get married. We'll see. <laughs> well, praise God for that openness to vocation. But um, right now, as your vocation as a student, um, how did you get into business? What made you pick that route? It, it was a really, really long route. So I think I've always been enthralled with flying. Uh, that was a really big thing, you know, watching the videos of like aircraft carriers because my dad's in the Navy. And I loved like watching flying. So a lot of my childhood, I wanted to like, oh, I want to fly. And then as I grew grew up and realized that I was going to be, you know, pretty tall and have glasses, I was like, you know what? Maybe not jets. We should, we should try helicopters. And, uh, but even then I have asthma, so I'd probably be docked for military service. So, um, and then in middle school, I liked the little RC planes that you can never, ever fly, but I was absolutely enthralled with it. So, and then I found out about drones, um, which are the quadcopters and like the business applications for it. And I was like, oh, that'd be so cool. Like Mm. I don't have to do anything like super strenuous. Like I can have fun. It's not a desk job all the time. So I was really enthralled with that. And um, so I was looking for schools with that and eventually decided I should choose a Catholic school with business um, and then do the drones on the separate side, like education wise. And then eventually I found out about JP Catholic and I was like, oh, it's an artsy fartsy school. And then (laughs) I, I came and visited I think like a year before I uh, applied and got, or before I came as a freshman or freshman. And I realized that four of my upperclassmen from high school were already there as business freshmen. Mm. And I was like, no way. That is such a God a coincidence to like not be a co- like a sign or something. And then everything worked out in the course of like three months. And I was like, oh, this is where I need to be. Oh, wow. So that's how I got into business. And then I've always just kind of liked to like get my hands in things, which is... Right. Maybe a little bit nosy, but <laughs> overall, it's a, it's a fun time. And um, is that kind of what, what made you pick the emphasis of the creative entrepreneurship? Yeah, so I, I want to start my own business. I don't mind following others or joining, and I probably will do that before I start my own. But um, I was looking at it, the emphasis that they have, because within the business major, they have marketing and advertising, which I'm a big sucker for branding. But um, that's just, that just wasn't what I wanted to go into. And I sought leadership and management, but I have a lot of like leadership and management experience from the volunteer organization I'm a part of called the uh, Civil Air Patrol. So, and then the last one was creative entrepreneurship. And then when I found out about the launch pro- pad program and kind of looked at like the class schedules and how everything worked out and that 
creative entrepreneurship is actually, um, I think it's like tiered higher than leadership and management because it's the exact same classes except for Launchpad. I was like, I want to do creative entrepreneurship. And then as I've been here, it's kind of, I've realized that like, oh, I have other ideas too that I would love to revive. Like this one guy's uh, t-shirt company, uh, rest in peace, Signum X. Um, but like there's different things that like, oh, that would be a great thing to revive or to bring back. And I think it's has a market for it or like has a desire or a need that can be fulfilled with that. So, And Launchpad is the thing that helps you guys create your own business, right? Yeah, and supports absolutely. you in that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a three series class that mm-hmm. where you go from like no business plan to going out and getting clients and like actually oh running cool. the business, the red tape. And then uh, a little bit further context too, we also have an incubator program. This is where after you've graduated and you've started your business, you can come back to JP Catholic on a regular basis and continue getting further mentoring to get more resources mm-hmm. and investment. So it's a really cool program. I'm excited for it. Oh, that's awesome. And so you have this background in, you know, leadership and management, you said, from some of the volunteer work that you've done um, and just the experience that you've had probably at the YMCA and everything like that. Um, And then here you're getting a little bit more of the creative end with the creative entrepreneurship program. Um, So let's dive into that question. How do you think that leadership is an art? And seeing now these two go hand in hand, what what does that mean to you? Absolutely. (laughs) And uh, tying back to my military background, I'm going to quote the United States Air Force. Um, so they actually, since, you know, huge organization, have thousands of people underneath their command, they really emphasize on leadership. And um, one of their definitions for it, because there's many definitions for leadership, but they say that it's the art and science of influ- influencing and directing people in a way to achieve a common objective. And that, that's very, I guess, like bare bones, very direct and utilitarian, but there, there's truth to it that it's an art and a science because there's very like soft and squishy elements to it. Like nobody like knows like what is the correct way to do leadership. But then it's also a science in the way that like there are proven tools and methodologies that you can implement and you know you're gonna get a generic response or answer. So like which is the kind of the coolest part about it is because you're not starting from scratch all the time in leadership. It's like, you know, like all right, you know, I have to be at least A, B, C, like I have to have good habits. Like I have to understand people and how do I interact with them and I like have to know how to treat them the right way or properly motivate in some way but then the way you go about it is going to be completely different for every leader Um, every leader is going to have their own style you know it could be you could be an introverted leader like Mm -hmm. it's totally a thing you don't have to be a people person in order to lead properly or to you know motivate a team you could be an introverted leader it just might mean that you have to step out of your shell a little bit every once in a while or not put on the facade that you're exhausted. <laughs> but I think that's the biggest thing is that there's very soft skills and there's also like very hard skills. Um, but then the other thing too is that artists, they have a medium. Leadership, your medium, in my opinion, might be the hardest medium of all, which is people. Mm. Like no, <laughs> not, not, no person is ever the same, you know, at least with like illustrators, like, you know, like, oh, I have my digital pad and I have my, you know, maybe for film students, like I have my camera and you know how everything works exactly and you can manipulate it, not to say in a bad way, but you can c- control what you're seeing or viewing or how you change the things in the environment. But with leadership, it's a really, really messy art because there's people and there's also nature too. Mm-hmm. Like, and nature will never bend down to your will. That, that It only bends to the will of God, which is fascinating. But then with people though, it's like, yes, you could, you know, control or motivate or manipulate but in the end people are always these unknown factors and so 
you have to build a relationship with them so that way you know them better. So that way you can say like, hey, I'm going to ask you to do this because I trust in you. You know, will you trust and follow me? Right. Because you can't be a leader without a follower. This is actually this little funny video where it's this guy dancing just really weirdly. And like afterwards, people join him and the commentary to the video is that like that guy would have just been a weirdo until that first guy came mm. and they started dancing together. And then it's a leader and a follower. So no, I think this is really interesting because as you were saying, um, bringing up other artists and we just did our episode on illustration. So as you know, they might have, like you said, their, their tablet or pad or, um, pencil and paper and paint, um, the tools and just the, yeah, the tangible things that they can use and to finesse, you know, to make the the broad strokes or the thin strokes or to make all of the pieces fit together. I think of a sculptor having to chop away at a block or something, like start from the ground and go up, either like, and not creating ex nihilo like God does, but it's, and I feel like leadership actually mimics that, like you were saying, almost more closely because you have to work with, exactly what you're given from other people and people are wild cards we change our minds all the time we you know we wear different colors like so it's not like our paint mixes a lot I think in our human emotion and in our intelligence and things like that and so trying to find all those puzzle pieces and fitting people to to work as a team um, I think of that in as a kind of a good metaphor it's like the the I think it's like a painter's palette and I think of all the colors as different human beings and you mix two together it might make you know Oh my gosh, think in art school. What is it? Like red and blue make purple, yeah. um, blue and yellow make green. And I think like, you know, you pair certain people up because they're going to work. But if you put all these people together, it's going to make brown. And sometimes you want brown, but you usually don't <laughs> want the ugly colors. So I think that um, this is actually super interesting. Um, and especially in your um, kind of emphasis in creative entrepreneurship, how do you see... Um, art really present in the field of business in general absolutely and actually i watched something absolutely fascinating this morning uh, from simon sinek he's a optimist and i wouldn't say like i guess entrepreneur but he's definitely a leader though and he was talking about how the definition of business has actually changed where um, i guess milton friedman redefined business back in like i think it was like the 60s as um said that it was like for-profit in the like quickest way possible or like in the the least amount of resources um like put out forth whereas the original definition of business came from uh, adam smith who wrote the wealth of nations which absolutely changed the idea of like economics and how things interact and his was that you are creating good products and good services for good people so that you make your like community a better place was the gist of the definition and so like tying that into this it was like like how does creative entrepreneurship do the art it was that well creative like entrepreneurs are they're called to hopefully release whatever idea there is in an artistic way that's not only going to benefit like themselves and you know the person that they're solving a problem for because that's the biggest thing is that when you create something as a business person you're solving a problem hopefully you're not just trying to make a profit um but we also have to do it in a way that as we've kind of like a big theme here at the university is that reflecting the truth beauty and the goodness um i guess like continuing on with that it's like you know, we have that calling, and so that's it's a responsibility, which I think every artist has. You know, JP Catholic kind of talks about here is that um, another is to be an artist, able that is to respond to the demands of art and faithfully accept art specific like dictates. Like, you know, that's something that's kind of ingrained in the idea of entrepreneurship too. And you know, 
in addition to that, like entrepreneurship, it is not a guaranteed like success too. Like the idea is that you're taking risks and you're hoping that whatever you create in a sense, whether it's a business, a product, a good, um, that you are kind of solving someone's problems and that people recognize that the truth of that and like is a good thing and that there is beauty to it. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so fitting. Like I needed this in my life and now mm. someone's offered it to me. And I don't know if every entrepreneur recognizes that, but it's definitely connected to the nature of entrepreneurship is that mm. they have this responsibility and because it, entrepreneurship is creative, it's a leadership vibe to it that where you have to you know, go about it and try to bring out success when success is not guaranteed. Um, there's, there's an art to that. Oh, absolutely. And actually, as you were speaking, I think this is still on the same realm, but I was thinking still more about the, the artist palette analogy that I was giving. And I thought, you know, you can give that to, you know, I, and let's use our, our guest from last week, Mia, Mia Shaler, who's a, a, an illustrator and a painter. She could have this set of people or colors, you know, colors. And what she mixes and what she does to make, let's say, a tree it's going to look so different than our other guest, Josh Martin, if we give him the same color palette. How he mixes, how he designs the tree is going to look totally different. And in the same sense, you, your business, the one that you create, even with the same products, maybe same people, it's going to look totally different because of your style, the way that you create, and the way that you interact with your mediums, your subjects of your art form. It's going to look so different in your business than mine would. And that's just because we're intrinsically two different people and we have different creative styles. And so um, I just thought that was really cool. And really quick, I'm going to do a reset because we're hitting our halfway point. If you're just joining us now, you're listening to Letter to Artists on JP2 Radio. I'm your host, Bailey Garland, and I'm currently on air with Luca Huang discussing this unique episode on business, specifically creative entrepreneurship and leadership as an art form. And so I'm going to really quickly revisit the guiding excerpt from JP2's encyclical. He writes, Not all are called to be artists in the specific sense of the term. Yet, as Genesis has it, all men and women are entrusted with the task of crafting their own life. In a certain sense, they are to make, it, make of it a work of art, a masterpiece. It is the one thing for human beings to be authors of their own acts with responsibility for their moral value. It is another to be an artist able, that is, to respond to the demands of art and faithfully accept art's specific dictates. And so, Luca, I know you touched on this a little bit just before the reset, but I'm wondering how does this just at first glance strike you as a creative businessman? Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, I read this and I was like, whoa. Like, I've, I've, sadly, I have not read the entirety of Letter to Artists in its oh entirety, no. which, you know, I need to go back and do that justice. But at first, it kind of hit deep because coming to JP Catholic and I like to be involved. So like I'm on film sets and I, I talk to the philosophy of theology students and everything. And after exposing yourself to other people, you realize like how deep the world is. Like I've always been like, not to say like shallow, but <laughs> like I very much lived on like the top level of like, Oh, you know, am I hanging out with my friends or am I having fun? Or, you know, am I doing something different here or helping out people? But then coming into it, um, coming into the school and, being exposed to, like, the idea of, like, art and truth and beauty and goodness, I'm realizing that, like, wow, like, there's such a depth to everything. And um, when I look at this, like, this excerpt, and I'm like, like, how do I apply this to a business, like, to business in general? Um, I think it just gives me a fuller sense of, like, what I'm responsible for, too. Like, the idea that, um, as you know, Marvel Universe, like, with great power must also come great responsibility. It's like, 
God gifts this to us. Like he, he gifted me like my talents. Like I'm a very people person. I like doing things. I don't mind taking on projects or stressful things because I know I can get things done. Um, and it just, he just realizes that like, hey, I've given you these gifts. I want you to be responsible for those mm-hmm. gifts. Kind of like the parable of the, the talents. Like I want you to go out and produce more fruit, you know, generate more business for people, help people revive their businesses, whatever it might be. And so I think it just gives me a fuller sense of like responsibility and also like what am I called to be? Like what's my potential? That's one big thing we're talking about in our class advanced leadership is that every human being has potential. You know, God dictates that is that you have potential to be something. Um, and so as a as a leader and then also a businessman is that your responsibility, part of that is to uh, pull the potential out of people. Mm. I think that's really beautiful and I I love that um, we're, we're kind of talking a lot in, I'm in a St. Catherine of Siena class right now, and we're talking a lot about how true humility is knowing yourself um, and how it, it's kind of all, our world is, is, well, our world is not people-based right now. It's not a friend to people, but what our calling is to be people-based, one-on-one formation. And one of my favorite, I probably said this before on, on an episode, but my favorite quote about JP2 is that he encountered everyone as if he was encountering God. And that's why he had such an immaculate memory. And I don't know, sorry, immaculate was the wrong word. An amazing memory. I don't know why I said immaculate, but um, he had such an amazing memory because he was treating everybody with that one-on-one formation, that one-on-one, this is what I'm called to do. It's like, you cannot encounter God, but in the present moment, it's like, oh, there, there's gone. Now I can only encounter him in this one. And I think as a leader, um, you are called to that same task you know to create we're, we're talking in this quote about um they are called to make of it a work of art a masterpiece and so kind of tying all those things together saint catherine of siena you know god telling her she's got to know herself we don't create ourselves but we have to be able to receive what the lord is giving us note our potentials and make something out of it like and but we talk to the lord it's not like we're just like whipping it out of thin air and like making ourselves something no 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 we we place ourselves in god and then he helps us you know figure out what puzzle piece goes where until you know we've become who we're be who you're called to be you know and you set the world on fire um and so i i just think this is really interesting especially in business you're again taking all these different pieces of people recognizing their potentialities and then using it to build up the whole. Um, And there's a particular line, all men and women are entrusted with the task of crafting their own life. Um, In a certain sense, they are to make of it a work of art, a masterpiece. Um, So I kind of was just talking about that, but I want to hear from you. (laughs) So how, how does this apply to business? Um, Maybe, maybe in bettering society with the products that we were talking about earlier, or uh, just what are your thoughts on that line? True. Yeah, absolutely. Man, yeah, definitely. It's like in business. Um, I mean, first thing, like, like a life. So this is one thing I really wanted to touch on. Um, we were in men's group once, and Taylor Williams had this awesome excerpt, and not to like exclude women, but he was saying that men are meant to be three uh, different things. They're meant mm. to pr- protect, provide, and then preside. Mm. So that presiding is definitely like a leadership mentality, and that kind of brought me to this whole point of like, like men. Uh, we don't have that many great role models out in pop culture anymore. You know, Andrew Tate's a very interesting case where like he's popular, but he doesn't also exhibit exactly what we want from men. Um, But at least he's, you know, trying to embody it more versus being more feminine. 
Um, but like any vocation that a man is called to be in, whether it's to be single, to be married, or to be a priest, in a way, man, in your nature, you are to be a leader. Right. Um, either leading other people or leading the church or the flock or to help in your community and being a leader there. And that kind of like brings it into business is that, you know, whatever you do as, you know, if you're single or you're, you're married in business, like you're still called to like be a leader. So you're meant to, you know, obviously interested in the task of like building your own life, but you're also meant to build other people's lives. And then obviously like, you know, you have ourselves and other people, but then you also have the world around them too. And so if you want to craft somebody else, as we kind of talked about, like create more culture and then you need to build the culture around them too. And so you can do that within a business is that, you know, you can build a product or a good or a service. You can do charity and volunteer work within your business. And that helps build the community, which then is going to build other people too. So everything's, everything's interconnected. Mm, it's, uh-huh. it's quite amazing. Um, but that in turn creates the, the big masterpiece that hopefully we're looking for and hopefully that hopefully the God envisioned. I mean, he gave us the freedom to do it, but Oh, all totally. Th- all that's intertwined. So, And I'm wondering now getting a little more into you, um, we don't have much time left, but I did want to ask how, I mean, for you as a male leader, how is pursuing leadership and this creative entrepreneurship brought you closer to God? Absolutely. I think it's kind of going back to that whole like personal responsibility, like the ownership of myself. Like I've realized that like, how am I going to lead someone or earn someone's respect or the, or their love or whatever it is if I can't um, like appreciate like who God's made me to be and then spend time with him? It's like the idea of like you can't pursue any other relationship if you don't pursue the relationship with the person who should be most important in your life. Right. So I think it's definitely made me more aware that like, oh, I should go and sit in the chapel for 15, 20 minutes, maybe an hour. I love Fulton Sheen because he was talking about how do a whole hour every day because the first 10, 15 minutes is just getting out of the world and just like warming up to God. Um, so that's that's kind of been a goal of mine is to get in the chapel more often. But it's, I guess, pursuing this leadership and creative entrepreneurship make, has made me realize like the, the value of relationships. And then I should be pursuing the relationship with the person who matters the most in the world. Mm. Well, thank you, Luca. Um, sadly, we're, we're running out of our time, but Sorry. this was really interesting to talk about with you. And, and I'm really glad that you brought this topic up because I think we do separate our two fields a lot, the, the business and the artistic side of things. And there's definitely a lot of overlap. I know I was talking with another professor who we'll have on here eventually, Professor Joe Connolly. Um, and he has a whole kind of different take about creatives in the business world because he built his own business, you know? So um, he's got some different opinions, which he felt were not proper for, you know, this episode, but we're hoping to get him on another one soon. So thank you, Luca, for being here with us. Um, I'm really happy to have you. Thank you so much. God bless, Bailey. God bless you. All right. Next, we'll be chatting with Dr. Lococo, professor of leadership at JP Catholic, who will be sharing her thoughts about leadership as an art form. You won't want to miss it, so stay tuned. And we are back in the vault at John Paul the Great Catholic University. I am your host, Bailey Garland. You are tuning into JP2 Catholic Radio for another episode of Letter to Artists. This week, I am sitting down with two business people to discuss how leadership can be an art form. And I was approached by our first interviewee for the morning. This was Luca Huang about his this specific topic. And he was super interested in leadership as an art form. And I was like, okay, we're going to push some boundaries. You know, we're going to change our rules a little bit. And it was an actual... It was actually an awesome conversation. So if you missed it, you're definitely going to want to play the replay on Spotify. We're now on Apple Music, so check that out. 
Joining me now for our second interview to discuss how she views leadership as an art form and the way business and the creative worlds intersect is Dr. Amanda Lococo, professor of leadership here at JP Catholic. Welcome, Dr. Lococo. Thanks, Bailey. I'm super excited to be here and uh, be part of this uh, radio show. I'm super excited to have you. This is actually our first time meeting, so it's been such a joy to just, you know, be in each other's presence. Um, do you mind just leading us in a prayer? Absolutely. So we begin in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the gift of education, for the ability to come and to discuss and to open our hearts and minds to you. We remember our vocation and our call to you, and we thank you for the gift of JP Catholic and the gift that I had at this amazing institution and the gift it's going to give to so many. And we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Why don't we just start with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? <laughs> yeah, so my name's Amanda Lococo, and uh, I'm San Diego born and bred. I uh, grew up in Point Loma, and I grew up with a mom who was Catholic and a dad who was Lutheran. And I have a sister who's three years younger than me, and uh, we grew up going to private school, but not Catholic school. And uh, we would occasionally go to Mass, but I wouldn't call ourselves really a faith-filled family until my mom really wanted to um, give me a better education. And so uh, they decided to move and go to La Mesa, Spring Valley area right up the 94, and I went to my first Catholic school, Santa Sophia Academy, and that's where I really got to know God. And our classes started going to Mass together, and I would go to daily Mass. I became an altar server. I really started learning about this guy named Jesus. I was blessed enough to be able to travel when I was younger, and so we would go all over the world, and there would be Mass celebrated, and I just loved the idea that you could be reading the same reading when you're in Russia or China or anywhere in Europe, and it would be the same one that my friends are listening to at school during their daily mass or their Sunday mass. And I just thought that that um, idea of community was so inspiring. And finally, I went to Art Lady of Peace for high school, and we sat down and we read the Gospel of Mark. And that's when I just had this moment that made me say, you know what? The Bible is pretty darn awesome. And I went to my dad, who is a lawyer, and I always thought I was going to be going into law. I am very uh, outgoing, passionate, interested in law. And I said to him, is it okay if I become a theologian instead? A Catholic theologian. And he was a Lutheran. <laughs> and God love him. My dad said, you know what, Amanda? I see the passion and the fire in your eyes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so I went off to school at Regis University in Denver, Colorado. And I decided to get my degree in theology as well as my degree in art. Mm -hmm. So I'm so excited we're talking about art today and leadership because I also got my degree in art, art history, and painting. Oh, I love wow. to paint acrylic painting. Um, it's, it's where I find my peace. And when I got my degree from Regis University, the really cool thing is I started talking to my dad about all these theologians, and we would have these great dinner conversations, and I had the blessing of watching my dad um, become a convert and go to our CIA, and now he's probably the most holy, Catholic, amazing man that I, I've ever known, and he's such a beautiful role model, and 
And uh, yeah, and so I kept praying to God, you know, what do I do with this theology degree? I don't know where to go from here. I just know that I love Jesus and I love teaching others about the faith. And so I actually started my career at SeaWorld San Diego. Wow. I happen to be someone who loves being in front of a microphone. I happen to love public speaking. And so I got to announce all the shows. I announced Shamu. (laughs) I did the dolphins. I got to do the narrations for the different parts of the park. And uh, I also was a dancer by trade. So I got to be Ernie from Sesame Street and do all the dancing shows. (laughs) And uh, I loved it. And I... They saw that I had a really good um, passion for teaching, and I like to educate others. Now, this wasn't about Jesus. This was about dolphins, but they gave me the uh, responsibility of running the summer camps, and I realized how much I loved it, and I loved it more than the dolphins. You know, I loved it more than the penguins. I loved interacting with people. And so I prayed to God, and he was able to direct me to become a teacher. And I started off at St. Michael's in Paradise Hills, and I was the eighth grade teacher. And then I moved on to high school, and I had the blessing of teaching at Cathedral Catholic in Del Mar. And I taught there for 10 years. And then eventually I landed myself here at this amazing institution because as I was going through SeaWorld San Diego, I got my master's from John Paul the Great when they were giving out those master's in theology back in the day. I was at the old campus. I didn't get to experience the beauty that this new campus has to offer, but I did experience the beauty of an amazing education that inspired me to be a, a theology teacher over at Cathedral. And now I'm here and I have gotten my degree or my doctorate in leadership and now I'm teaching leadership here at John Paul the Great. Oh wow. Oh my gosh. There's first of all, there's so much there that I would love to dig in personally with <laughs> you after the show. But how um specifically then kind of with through all those fields, did it just morph into deciding that you would get your doctorate in leadership? Is that what happened? This it's a long story for probably another time, but I'll give you a little teaser. Sure, please do. I was teaching at Cathedral in Theology. I thought the master's would be my final stop in education. I was happy where I was at. Uh, Long story short, I was in a failed engagement. And I really was like, where is God calling me? I feel like I need to do something more. And so I was praying about it. And in that time, I got promoted at at my job. And they promoted me to be head of the communications department which meant that I had nine other employees under me. Oh, wow. And I, at that time, was only 26 years old. Wow. And most of the employees that were under me were about 45 and above, which age shouldn't really be a factor, but it absolutely was in this case. And this was my first real test of leadership. And I got offered this position due to my work ethic and... And also I had written for them an ebook uh, for communications. And so I was kind of the, the lead in the communications department just organically. And the difficult part was having a certain employee come in and say to me, to my face, you're too young. You're younger than my daughter. There is no way I will ever listen to you or your leadership. You know nothing. Wow. And I'm going to go to the principal and tell him that he needs to make you step down or fire you. Wow. And that was my first day of leadership. 
And Yikes. it was <laughs> an eventful one. <laughs> it was eventful, uh, traumatic as a 26-year-old. Yeah. I didn't know how to handle it. There were lots of tears. Um, and then when I look back on it now, I, I come from such a place of compassion because I think that leadership made such a difficult and hard decision, and they also did not communicate effectively by offering her the opportunity to even apply for the job. Right. It was literally just given to me, mm-hmm. and she had been a 30-year veteran at that school, and I had only been there two, three years at right. that time, mm-hmm. and so she felt like she wasn't valued as an employee, and at first when I was sitting there, I thought, oh, gosh, she's just being grumpy. You know, why is she really trying to inhibit my leadership and, mm-hmm. and this is not okay? And, and now that I've gone through all this schooling and understood what leadership is, I come from this place of deep compassion for her because she did end up leaving wow. the school as a result of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really, I was shaken up from this leadership position. I, I came from this place of I was given power, so everybody must listen to me because now I am powerful. Yeah, And that was the completely wrong way to do it. And so I would say because of my epic failure, as the department chair in communications, I said to myself, you know, I'm no longer looking towards the vocation of marriage. I really want to better myself. Mm-hmm. And I think God's calling me to become a better leader. Wow. I think I need to look into what makes a good leader. And I think I don't know where God's going to lead me exactly. But through leadership, I can do so much. And so I started my uh, doctorate journey at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. And eventually, uh, <laughs> about six weeks after starting my dissertation, or my, my dissertation, my doctorate in general, six weeks later, I, I meet my wonderful husband. Oh, <laughs> that's funny how that works. <laughs> yes, it is. And then, you know, plan a wedding through it all. I have two beautiful children, Aww. David and Thomas. David is two. Thomas is going to be one year old in a couple days. Aww. And so I'm so blessed. So many things have happened. And I realized that I still have a deep love for the Catholic Church and theology and the faith. And my dissertation is on the lack of leadership preparation of diocesan priests in the seminary. And I've noticed that a lot of seminary education focuses on the spiritual and theological side, uh, which is so important But I find that a diocesan priest has a very special subset that they need to know how to manage people because they're going to be in charge of most of the times an attached school as well as that parish. And they're going to need to know about education. They're going to need to know about hiring and firing. They're going to need to know about budgeting. They're going to need to know about delegating. And unfortunately, about 90% of seminaries currently do not have any education on any of those topics. Mm -hmm. And I think as a result, these these poor diocesan priests are burnt out. Mm-hmm. I think they're stretched thin. And I think a lot of them are choosing uh, vocations um, elsewhere, non-diocesan. And uh, I think a big reason is because we are not doing our jobs preparing them adequately in the seminary. And so I'd love to, in the future, be able to create curriculum that can help uh, make their seminary education a little bit fuller and to help prepare them even better uh, as they go on to live their beautiful vocation as a diocesan priest. Wow, that is, that's super interesting. And I love that you use the word create because we are just going to dive a little bit into that. You said you had a previous art degree. How is that molding into now, you know, your dream of maybe creative curriculum? How has that creativity kind of intertwined with your business leadership life? 
uh, it's intertwined quite a bit. I, uh, I always considered leadership to be an art form. I uh, have always been inspired by a gentleman named Caravaggio. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of him. He is a very famous Italian painter. He's from the 16th century, and he's known for his work on chiaroscuro, which is just a really fancy term for use of light. Mm. And he uses light in his paintings, um, and they're paintings of, like, for example, uh, St. Peter and his crucifixion, or Jesus being entombed, or St. Paul. And you would think he would use light to highlight those people, but he does not. He uses light to highlight the people around him. And I think that that art form and that way of using art to elicit a social and emotional response is the same way that kind of we should illuminate, like leaders are like that light. Mm. Leaders are the light that illuminate others around them because it, you cannot be a leader without the people that you surround yourself with. And so my job as a leader is to illuminate others and to bring out their gifts and their talents. And the way I always saw leadership was very much inspired by Christ. And I, I love when he um, says the line, I will make you fishers of men, because being a manager means you give someone fish. Being a leader means you teach them how to fish. And the same thing happens with art, right? You're not just drawing a painting or painting a painting, putting it on the wall and walking away. It's something that's going to live on for forever and inspire others to want to try to emulate that. And so leadership and art are extremely compatible in the illicit response that they give to others and they surround others with. Oh, wow. That was incredibly powerful. I think especially, I talked a little bit with Luca too. This is going to be aired right after our illustration episode. And we're talking to digital painters and traditional painters. And um, I think just having these back to back is going to bear a lot of fruit. Um, really quickly right now, I'm just going to do a, a reset. If you're just joining us now, Remember, you are listening to JP2 Catholic Radio. On this episode of Letter to Artists, you are hearing from Dr. Amanda Lococo, a professor of leadership here at JP Catholic. And today, we are bringing business to the arts and chatting about what that could mean by marrying the two fields. And um, Dr. Lococo just gave an excellent reflection on how um, a leader is the light um, that reflects onto others and you know illuminates them, bringing out their strengths, their gifts, and allowing others to shine brighter. Um, and so now I, I would love to shift the conversation to our reflection section from JP2's letter to artists. And I'm just going to read it for, for everyone just joining now. Our little snippet goes, Not all are called to be artists in the specific sense of the term. Yet as Genesis has it, all men and women are entrusted with the task of crafting their own life. In a certain sense, they are to make of it a work of art, a masterpiece. It is one thing for human beings to be the authors of their own acts with responsibility for their moral value. It is another to be an artist, able, that is, to respond to the demands of art and faithfully to accept art's specific dictates. And so, Dr. Lococo, I just want to, right off the bat, how does that strike you at, from a business perspective? It, it's really interesting to me. I gravitated in that section that you read to this word masterpiece. Mm -hmm. And coming from that art background, we would always discuss what is a masterpiece. So first thing I thought of theologically was Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where God says, uh, for you are God's handiwork. And 
ultimately we are God's masterpiece. But then what does it mean to create from who you are as that masterpiece, another masterpiece? So what has happened is it's difficult to reconcile that thought in living out our vocation. You always wonder to yourself, okay, is, is what I just created a masterpiece? Is that it? Am I good? Did, did, did I finally reach completion? And I try to think of Da Vinci and the Mona Lisa. After he painted it, did he think to himself, ah, yes, that is my masterpiece? I highly doubt it. Right. I don't <laughs> think he did. And for JP2 to say, you know, you need to feel like you've created this masterpiece, I think what he's really trying to get at is that it's living out your vocation in light of the, the Christian experience. And that truly is the masterpiece. Like when I think of business and leadership, you can think to yourself of, oh, I've created this new Apple product or I've invented the internet or look at me with Tesla. But when I think of leadership and business and what is my masterpiece, immediately I think of my two children. Mm. My greatest masterpieces was creating them. And yet I'm a leader to them in those small ways each and every day. They are like my business because I am that light. I am illuminating them in so many small ways. I think that switch of leadership is knowing that sometimes it's not going to be in the big actionable things that we can produce, but it's in those little moments in which you have touched someone and led them to become something greater than themselves. And in a Christian understanding, I think that it's leading them even further to heaven because our ultimate goal is to get into heaven. And if I can say that I've accomplished that with my spouse, I've accomplished that with my children, I've helped my students that I've taught accomplish that and lead others in that way, then I feel like from that business leadership perspective, I've created a masterpiece. Well, that was incredibly powerful. And I love that you were not in the room for Luca's interview, but we touched a little bit on this. And one of my favorite quotes, I'm going to say it again, just in case anyone's just tuning in now, um, is from the book JP2 and His Five Great Loves by Jason Everett. And he's, um, I think it's an interview with, I don't want, I don't want to misquote it. So, but uh, it, it's in the book. I don't remember who exactly says it, but they mention how JP2, um, when he encountered, he encountered every person as if he was encountering God. It was all about that one-on-one connection, one-on-one formation. And that's why he was able to be the great man that we call great in our hearts. I know it's not declared by the church yet, but, um, that's how he was because, and he was, I mean, talk about a leader, a great leader, um, JP too, (laughs) but it it is all about those one-on-one. I mean, you're talking about your children. They were given to you specifically, like no one else ever can be their mother ever. And, and it's just that I, I love that. And, and you're talking all about the, the light reflecting. And we think, we think we need to have, like, we need to turn our own lights on or something like that. And it's like, no, you run to the father of that one-on-one formation, you and God, who will lead you. Like you were saying, God had to lead you. You're like, I don't know where he's going to lead me, but he had to, like, you know, plant that in your heart for then you to lead others. Um, And I want to call kind of a similar line that you had just said. Um, This line in particular is what I was wondering. Um, You were talking about how it's not always in, the products or it's more about the people than the product um, and creating a masterpiece. How does art kind of influence maybe the way you lead a team to, to maybe create a product or to create some sort of service or something, or even just in those interactions, how can you have an artistic style, I guess? I think 
the number one thing that I try to teach others about being a leader is don't settle for mediocrity. And when you talk about being an artist, the thing that could be overwhelming, and I know when I had to create an art gallery with all my art, and I was particularly interested in more of like the portraiture. I had an obsession with Disney. I really wanted to create that like princessy vibe. And it was like, oh man, but am I copying too much of somebody else's, you know, design? How is this uniquely me? Where can I push the boundaries? And I think when it comes to leadership, it's all about, and it sounds so cliche, but it's like Robert Frost, take the road less traveled by. And the leader is going to be someone who is willing to fail is willing to do something that maybe people aren't ready for Mm -hmm. and is willing to take that risk. And you'd be so surprised how many people would just prefer mediocrity because they're scared or they don't have the faith yet. And um, I know that in my experience with being the department chair of communications, you know, immediately when I was in it and going through the hardships, I, I sat there praying to God saying, I wish I never was made this leadership position. And yet, because I got that leadership position, I am sitting where I am today and I have learned so much. And so I think with art, you must push yourself. I mean, everybody could have just copied Da Vinci's works and we would not have the amazing art that we do today. And everybody brings their own unique gifts and styles. And you might think, well, I'm not as good as X or as Y. But you are good enough. You are God's masterpiece. And what you've created is a masterpiece, even though that's so hard for an artist to say to themselves. Like, you never want to look at something and say, yes, I've done it. That's my masterpiece. Well, we need to understand the impact we've made in others. I I finally realized that when I was sitting down after teaching for 10 years at a high school And I was going back and reading some of the notes I've gotten from students. And my students did not remember my amazing lessons on King David. They did not remember all the cool little Hebrew Bible tricks I taught them when we were going through the Hebrew alphabet. And I worked for hours on those dang lesson plans. (laughs) And they didn't remember a thing. But you know what they remembered? They remembered how I made them feel. And they would write, you know what I remember? Mrs. Lococo, that day that I was just not participating and you noticed and you came up and you rubbed my shoulder and you said, hey, is everything okay?" And then you said, hey, let's have lunch. And we talked. That meant the world to me. And in that moment, I was more a leader than I ever was teaching them Hebrew alphabet. And I think as an artist, we need to remember that we don't see the response that people have to our art and we don't know what's going on when they're um, getting that illicit response from our art. And we just need to know that what we've put out there, we should be proud of it in the same way that as a leader, if we put out our authentic self and do everything to the glory of God, it will come back and we are making that impact. Wow, that was incredibly powerful. Um, you kind of touched a little bit on this, but in all of that, how has, you said, if you weren't going through those experiences, you wouldn't be here. How has this call to leadership and create sort of, I guess you're not as much in creative entrepreneurship as Luca was. Right. But in a sense, how has that call to creativity and leadership brought you closer to God personally? In a lot of ways. I think it's, it's taught me not to have fear. I think it's taught me that it's okay to have those moments of weakness. I think I've been inspired by my students like Luca and others who are really trying to make a difference in the world of entrepreneurial leadership and business and to see the art students and the film students and the drive that they have 
inspires me to be better. I think that before when I had my failed engagement, it was one of those moments where I thought, you know what, I don't have all of the control. A lot of this is in God's hands and God's will, and it's going to work out as long as I go ahead and keep working to my full potential. Mm. Did I ever think I would wind up back here at JP Catholic? Absolutely not. In fact, for a long time, I thought I was going to take over my dad's law firm and become a lawyer. And God works in mysterious ways. And I think my openness, leadership has taught me to be open, open to any possibility. And I am so thrilled to be here. My faith has definitely increased. And uh, I pray a lot about being more open to God and not trying to control everything. Because that's what a leader likes to do, right? They like to be in control. They like to make sure that they have kind of a hand in everything and to be able to help and lead others. And it's really important to recognize that we are all leaders and that sometimes we can listen to others and they could bring us up to their full glory. And and a lot of times (laughs) I don't listen to God and I need to do a better job at that. And when I do, oh, gosh, he works miraculous things in my life and I am forever grateful. So this I'm laughing because this is hitting me deeply on a personal (laughs) level as well, Um, because this has just been the Holy Spirit's very present. And I feel very blessed to be able to get the chance to talk to you, because like I said in the beginning, this is our first time meeting. And so I'm just so excited that that you've been here. Um, We're running out of time. So um, I just want to thank you for being here, for being open and for sharing your heart and your story with us. This has been such a joy, Dr. Lococo. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me and have me anytime. And for all those potential and aspiring leaders out there, you got this and please have faith in God. Praise God. Thank you so much. Speaking of our listeners full of potential, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Letter to Artists. If you missed today's show or you want to catch the replay, we are on Spotify and now Apple Podcasts as well. So just search up Letter to Artists. Then once you're caught up on your favorite episodes, we really want your feedback on this new show that we've launched. So please tell us your thoughts at jp2radio.com. We've got our email address listed at the top right-hand corner of the page. And we really want to hear from you. So you can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search up JP2 Catholic Radio. All right. I've been blessed to share in this hour with you. Join me right here again next week as we explore another artistic topic. Remember, this is Letter to Artists, brought to you by John Paul the Great University. I'm your host, Bailey Garland, signing off with some encouragement for your day. Be not afraid. You artists who perceive in yourselves this kind of divine spark. As poet, writer, actor, architect, sculptor, musician, feel the obligation not to waste this talent, but to develop it, to put it at the service of your neighbor and of humanity as a whole. May the beauty which you pass on to generations still to come be such that it will stir them to wonder. Society needs you, artists. The world in which we live needs beauty.